Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. In a span of less than 90 minutes on Wednesday, Arizona filled and Cincinnati filled. So you are getting a Wednesday night emergency podcast to discuss Tommy Lloyd leaving Gonzaga to go down to Tucson and Wes Miller leaving UNC Greensboro to coach at Cincinnati. And on the back end of this podcast, we're going to recap every hire in a major seven conference and tell you who we think are the most likely to be the best hires down the road. Hit the sirens. Let's go. Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Wednesday, April 14th, 2021. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me, and Arizona has found Sean Miller's replacement dead leg. When we talked about this after Sean Miller was fired, um, we ran through a list of candidates, and I think we sort of settled on. At the end of the day, I think it's going to be uh, Gonzaga associate head coach Tommy Lloyd, or former Arizona star, current Pacific head coach, Damon Stoudemire. Fast forward to today, it is Tommy Lloyd. He is leaving Gonzaga. He will be the next head coach of the Wildcats. Your thoughts? Yeah, we have a, uh, listen, we have a long time coaching waiting uh, for a program legend who's been there decades deciding to, to leave and, and, and take a job in the Pac-12. And uh, it's Mike Hopkins all over again. No, I'm just kidding. But the parallels are actually there. We'll credit an unnamed uh, uh, person we both know who who made that who made that comparison. Um, this, I think, is a pretty good hire. Now, this has been buzzed about since before Sean Miller got fired. I have talked to a couple of people. Let me lay this out for you real quick, Paris, and get your thoughts on it. I've there are a couple people I've talked to who will never be not convinced that Tommy Lloyd was approached about this like a month ago and basically said, we want you to be the next coach. We're going to fire Sean Miller. I'm not saying that happened. I'm telling you that there are people that believe this, and this has been wired for a long time. Now, there were a couple of days here, the past couple of days, where the search kind of went on a, not a pause, but they pumped the brakes. There were more interviews that happened on Tuesday. And they did legitimately interview Miles Simon, Damon Stoudemire, Jason Terry, Josh Pastner. All these people were interviewed. There's a belief that Eric Musselman used Arizona to get himself his own new contract, which, if true or not, I don't think he needed Arizona to get paid the way he got paid, but good on him if so. Um, your thoughts on Arizona getting Lloyd and how long it took. Like, I think there's a universe in which it could have, it's been a little over a week hours wise since Sean Miller was fired. It's been a week to the day. They wanted to get Tommy Lloyd in last Thursday. I think this was achievable, but uh, it just seemed a little bit, how about this way? Noisier, more dramatic behind the scenes than, uh, than Arizona was probably hoping for, even though in the end it got its guy. Listen, you and I both heard, you know, even before Sean Miller was fired, that Tommy Lloyd was a possibility if indeed Sean Miller was fired. So 
you know, it's not a coincidence that it, the second Sean's fired, Tommy's name starts trending everywhere. Like, uh, keep an eye on Tommy Lloyd, Gonzaga, you know, uh, associate head coach, coach in waiting. If it were wired for a month, I don't know why it takes this long to get it done. That's a, you fire Sean Miller on a whatever day, you let 48 hours pass, and then you hire Tommy Lloyd and you get on with it. Keep in mind, every day is important right now because the transfer portal's on fire. You've got to try to retain whatever you can retain. So I, I, I guess I, I would just keep this simple. If this were wired, you get it done much more quickly than this because it's important to get it done as quickly as possible. Most important thing is to get it right. But the second most important thing is to get it, like after you get it right, get it done as quickly as possible. So if you knew Tommy Lloyd was the guy and you waited this long, somebody wasn't doing this brilliantly. (laughs) But, you know, uh, I don't know why you kept Sean Miller, you know, five weeks after the season was over. So, like, Mm -hmm. I'm not ruling it out that this was just mishandled. But ultimately, they landed where I, I, I thought they would probably land. Why it took this long to do it, I'm not sure. But I will say this. I texted a couple people in basketball circles last night, just sort of halfway joking, but like kind of being serious. I was like, listen, I want to go play golf, but I don't want to be on the number four tee box and and get a text about Arizona's hired a coach, and now I got to go podcast. Like, I was like, can I go play golf tomorrow or not? When is this thing going to get wrapped up? And two separate people who are the type of people you would talk to when this stuff is going on, both said, quote, that search is a shit show right now. And I mean, they both use the exact same term. And so it had gone, it had gotten a little unnecessarily uh, complicated, I think. But again, they ultimately land where they land. And here's what I would say. If Tommy is everything most people think he's going to be, then nobody will care that it took longer than it probably should have taken to get Tommy Lloyd. And you're right about that. If we look up in three years, and regardless of what does or doesn't come with uh, NCAA or IARP sanctions, but Arizona's, you know, four seed, five seed, they're going. No one's going to really care. Mick Cronin was like the seventh option at UCLA just to come to the Final Four. No one's talking about how long it took UCLA to hire. It's good. <laughs> right. But at the time, come on, that was... Oh, that, that was a big story. Big story, huge mess. I, bigger mess than this, in my opinion. So... You're right about that. Now, the other thing here is that Arizona had three former players interview for the gig. And with that, you had different factions supporting those guys taking the job. And so that splintered support, which only helped Lloyd's chances in all of this, if it was ever going to be something that was potentially in doubt. And then, and I don't know how much this is going to wind up mattering, Parrish, but it was emphasized to me uh, before Lloyd actually got the job, like, I can say for a fact right now, there are former Arizona players that are significant players, known players. Hell, Gilbert Arenas is on the record crapping all over Tommy Lloyd as a then-would-be coach of Arizona because it happened before uh, Lloyd got the job. Um, Lloyd just does not have the support of a lot of guys there. Now, this is a player's program. This is the slogan. This is the damn Twitter handle for the for the, for the the program there. Not having those guys immediately in your corner. Listen, Lloyd's an amazing recruiter. He'll probably overcome that hurdle, but it's a hurdle nonetheless because those kinds of things at that kind of level, like Arizona is undoubtedly a top 15 job, probably a top 10 job in America. And when you can have 
current NBA players or former NBA players, guys who have names attached to them, be around your program and, and you can use them to your benefit. Clearly it helps matters and it seems like that is going to be something that Lloyd is not going to immediately have. It's not the end of the world. I think he'll be okay, but it would be better to have it than not. And by not hiring a former player, I do think that that is a real issue he is going to face, at least initially. I don't know if it'll be the case if we look up in five years, but I think for the next year or so, um, he's just not going to have the same crowd behind him that maybe otherwise would have been. I agree with you. I think he'll be able to fix that over time. And just like it took... Arizona a long time to to hire Tommy Lloyd won't matter if he does the job well that some of the former players aren't initially supportive it won't matter if he does well but it does suck like if you're Tommy I mean you're you know in the in the past 24 36 hours you're probably considering this job and trying to see if you can nail it down and you're excited about man, my first head coaching job is going to be at, at Arizona. And then you're like on Twitter and, you know, there's Gilbert Arenas crapping on you and, and Richard Jefferson at the very least not being enthusiastic about you. Uh, I would, you know, I would imagine when you're taking your first head coaching job, particularly at such a high profile place, um, ideally you would want everybody to be excited about you. I mean, you'd want to, you'd want to jump on a zoom with the alumni and introduce yourself if you don't know them and have them, you know, hey, hey, coach, whatever you need, I'm here to help you. I just want to see the program. Do You'd love to have that right from the jump. And he's clearly not going to have that. And the issue is because, as you laid out, you know, at, at, sometimes when a job opens and there's a push to keep it in the family, you just go, well, like, who? Who do you want us to hire? There's not great options in the family. There were reasonable options within the Arizona family. Like, Damon Stoudemire was a reasonable option. Josh Pastor was a reasonable option. Miles Simon was a regional, uh, a reasonable option. At the very least, those three. And the players wanted one of those guys. My understanding, just like you, is like different players were pushing for different guys. But by and large, they wanted one of those guys. And they also wanted to be involved in the process. And the athletic director apparently just didn't involve him in the process and then hired outside of the family. And so Tommy's got to walk right into that. Again, not ideal, probably sours the whole thing just a little bit, but I don't think it's a reason to not take the job. And I don't think it's a reason to not hire him. And if Gilbert Arenas wants to be a jerk on social media about somebody he's never met, then let him be a jerk on social media about somebody he's never met. Cause that's all he's doing. Like he just says things like, no, you're an assistant coach as if no assistant coach has ever successfully been a head coach in his first job. Brad Stevens was an assistant coach that worked out. Okay. Once upon a time, Roy Williams was an assistant coach that worked out. Okay. So it's possible to get, you know, good jobs um, from the assistant coaches chair and, and become great immediately. And if Tommy does it, and certainly I'm, I'm of the belief that he will, um, he won't be the first and he won't be the last. So if you want to be, I would have more respect for somebody who actually knows Tommy and then just said, listen, I've known this guy 15 years. I'm just telling you, I don't believe in him as a head coach at the University of Arizona. I could listen to that. But from somebody who doesn't know him and then it dismisses him based on the fact that he's just, quote, an assistant, that's, that's nonsense to me. Yeah, I hear you. Um, I'm wondering, you know, when we look up in four years from now, 
which program is going to be impacted more by this? Arizona or Gonzaga? And I think the answer will be Arizona. I think Arizona is going to... I'm not going to sit here and, and project that Tommy Lloyd's going to get Arizona back into the top 10 of the AP Top 25 or anything like that. I think there are. I think you would agree that there are too many potential variables with sanctions that could have enough overarching impacts that will restrict what Lloyd can do. Um, because let's face it, if they do wind up getting a postseason ban, even though they've had a self-imposed one, even if they get another one, that kind of stuff is going to impact what you can do. But, but I don't know. Like he has been. He's regarded as an elite. I'm talking like top three assistant in the country for a reason. Mark Feud receives the lion's share of the credit, and that's fair. But you and I both know that Tommy Lloyd, particularly over the past decade, has has put just as much into that and is just as responsible as Marcus. He ha- Tommy Lloyd has been the one that has been grinding on the recruiting trail uh, domestically and internationally for a decade. And he is oftentimes, and I said this on HQ earlier, the, the assistants will grind and the head coach will close. And while that has certainly also happened with Gonzaga and Mark Few, Tommy Lloyd, though, has actually closed. He has actually been the closer for plenty of prospects and players that you know and that have helped them make the title game this year, the title game in 2017, Sweet 16's in the middle of all that, and even before that. It hasn't just been Mark Few and Tommy Lloyd's been kind of coasting along. No, he has been as close to a co-head coach as I think anyone in the country. And now that Mark Few is losing him... Uh, That'll be interesting to see because Mark Few is in the winter of his career. Like I think he's got anywhere from three to seven, eight years left. However long he wants to go, he can go. But he just lost his top guy, and I, I, I'll be interested to see how that, in, you know, how it impacts Gonzaga going forward. GP, uh, it can still be great. I think it still will be great. But I think losing Tommy Lloyd will uh, will certainly have an impact on the program going forward. I don't think there's any question about that. Like it's it's interesting because. You ask a question like, what program will be impacted more, Arizona or Gonzaga? Here's the truth. I'm I'm a believer in Tommy Lloyd. I've known Tommy for a long time. I, I've talked basketball with him. I've had beers with him. I've spent real time with him. I, I, I think he's sharp, and I think he's going to do well. But I've been wrong about assistant coaches before. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, there's a long list of assistant coaches that I thought, man, that guy's going to be a great head coach someday. And then he just wasn't, you know, for whatever reason, just didn't work out. So it is possible that this just doesn't work out. You know, sometimes things just don't work out. Every time a program like Arizona hires a coach, you just assume it's going to work out because it's a great program and they're hiring what appears to be a great candidate. Sometimes it just doesn't work. I think it'll work, but we'll see. What we know for sure is that he was great at his previous job as the lead assistant at Gonzaga. Terrific. And is incredibly responsible for the roster building. He carved out a niche a long time ago of recruiting internationally and was able to bring or at least play a role in bringing to campus international players like Ronnie Turiov, J.P. Batista, Robert Sacre, Kelly Olenek. Um, Kevin Pangos, Shimmick Karnowski, DeMontis Sabonis, Rui Hachimura, Killian Tilly, Philip Petrushev, Joel Ayayi. I mean, I know the star of the stars of, of this Gonzaga team were, you know, Drew Timmy, Corey Kisper, Jalen Suggs, but Gonzaga has benefited from international players more than I believe any program in America, certainly any top shelf program in America. And that is largely 
because of Tommy. And I'm not saying that goes away now, but like a big part of it is now not there anymore. So it is possible that this move doesn't do for Arizona what Arizona hopes it does, but it also like damages Gonzaga in some real way. If I were betting, I would bet the Zags are going to remain what they've been. But if we look up in a few years and they're not getting the same level of prospect you know, in, a, in the United States and outside of the United States, then this will be the thing that we point to, which by the way, makes is like way down the list, maybe not way down the list, but on a list of, of, of reasons. If you're Arizona, you hire Tommy Lloyd outside of the obvious ones. Yeah. You might damage a West Coast power mm-hmm. while doing it. You know, it's not just like you're hiring a coach. You're taking something valuable from a program that you're competing with, which might prove to be worth something someday. Um, so, it, it, again, when the job opened, we thought it was headed probably this direction. Now here we are. And I, I did hear some people wonder, you know, over the past week, like, well, are we sure he would take it? Because he's going to be the next head coach at Gonzaga. And I, I hear that on some level. That's why if you're Tommy Lloyd, you might not take, with all due respect, the Washington State job or, you know, a lower level Pac-12 job or power conference job. But when you're 46 years old and your boss probably got another, you said three to seven, I put it closer to seven than three, Mm -hmm. and I might put it above seven. Like, you really want to wait to your mid-50s to become a head coach when you have an opportunity right now to be the head coach at Arizona, which in a different time is a better job than the Gonzaga job. I'm not sure right now. Like, I think if you're Tommy and you told him tomorrow he could be the head coach at Gonzaga or the head coach at Arizona, he'd want to be the head coach at Gonzaga, Mm -hmm. I think. But you just can't turn down Arizona. I'll keep it that simple. When you're an assistant coach who's 46 years old, I just don't think you could turn down a job like this, Jeff. Yeah, and plus, who knows where, like, we could look up in five years and, uh, like, that's, it's a long time, but it's not a long time. And and for a coaching cycle, uh, a coaching lifespan, it actually is a long time. And five years from now, Lloyd could have been good, not great at Arizona. Mark Few could be wanting to scoot on out. And the way that Gonzaga's, you know, working, they could, Lloyd could easily swoop back up to Spokane and even if he's, you know, been just okay at Arizona, still be taken as the next head coach at Gonzaga, and they'd welcome him with open I arms. Think that's exactly it, it's right. kind like, of the best of both worlds for him, Parrish. Like, you take this, if you hit it, you hit it, good on you, and, and you're set. You're 46. But if what if you're even underwhelming a little bit, you're still able to take the Gonzaga job when few retires. I think I think that's right. Like, as long as you don't bomb at Arizona, yes, you're probably in a position to still succeed Mark Few someday if you want to. And in the meantime, you get an opportunity to run one of the best programs in America. Like it's to me, as I've said a million times, I don't insist what people should do with their careers, but it, it, it was hard for me to find a reason why Tommy should not take the Arizona job if offered. I, I agree with you. Uh, last thing on this. Um, I'm not, we, we mentioned this, I think on the, on the podcast just before this one, no one knows when any of this stuff is coming down. So I actually think Tommy Lloyd's going to have a season where he can kind of operate mostly like how he wants to because they don't know when the punishment's coming. Like, I don't think Arizona's getting hit by the IARP until next year. Like, I just think it's going to be a while. So uh, we'll see with roster stuff. Kirk Carissa, one of Arizona's international prospects, ironically enough, 
he told Jonathan Gavoni uh, of ESPN that he's going to put his name in the transfer portal, but he's not necessarily 100% leaving Arizona. Like, he's just going to see what's out there for him. So there'll probably be a little bit of that initially, but um, from a sanction standpoint, uh, none of like I th- I fully expect Arizona to be eligible for the 2022 NCAA tournament. We'll see what kind of roster he's working with and how he can do in his first year. When oh by the way, uh, his former school Gonzaga could be the number one team in the country, and if not, um, a team in his own conference UCLA will be number one or number two potentially uh, in the country. So he will have it loaded up with challenges in his first year with other West Coast powers, but I don't think it'll be uh, fully inheriting a complete mess. Arizona isn't the only school that hired a men's basketball coach today. Cincinnati did the same thing. We'll get into that next, but first, check this out. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So Arizona got the Tommy Lloyd deal done earlier, say late afternoon on Wednesday, and then... Honestly, since we started recording this podcast, uh, Cincinnati has reached an agreement with Wes Miller, who was the head coach at North Carolina Greensboro. He, of course, was a candidate for the UNC job that went to Hubert Davis because he's a former North Carolina player, a national champion. Um, Still, he gets a big job. I know Cincinnati's down right now, but Cincinnati's, you know, historically a really, like my, for most of my life, has been a really strong, nationally relevant uh, men's basketball program. And so um, if you're Wes, um, this is one where I don't want to say you, 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 if offered, you have to take it, but if offered, you probably do take it. And so now Wes Miller is the head coach of the Cincinnati Bearcats. He's 38. And he, this in some ways seemed inevitable. Now, not that he was going to get a head coaching job at a bigger conference in a bigger conference this year specifically I mean he's going to Cincinnati here John Brandon just got this job two years ago and he's out well before anyone thought that was going to happen there and just as all of this played out Wes Miller was a finalist in the eyes of some he was the number two choice behind Hubert Davis to get North Carolina his alma mater as you mentioned and uh, he didn't and Cincinnati was still there and at a certain point you know, your reputation, I say this in a good way, it just catches up with you. Like, Wes Miller has been too good of a coach not to get a better job. He's 185 and 135 in 10 seasons in the SOCON. Just made the tournament again this year. He's finished in the top three of the SOCON five years in a row. I mean, you're just that good. Eventually, someone else is going to hire you to do a bigger job. Cincinnati might have uh, 
might have lucked into a pretty good hire here. Now, it was reported Ryan Peden was the other finalist. I can confirm that. He's Ohio State's top assistant. Uh, I think we will look up in two years or fewer, and Ryan Peden will be a head coach uh, somewhere, probably more likely a mid-major than a, than a power conference. But he was involved because he's, he's known Ohio for 15. He's from there. He's recruited for 15 years, and he got really, really close. So Ryan Peden, I know he's not a name a lot of people know, but he is Holtman's number one uh, at Ohio State. And if you think Chris Holtman doesn't get enough credit, let me tell you about a guy named Ryan Peden. He will be a head coach in no time. Congrats to Wes Miller, though, on taking a job in an area where he's just, that's not where he's from, North Carolina. You know, he's obviously, he's, he has been an assistant at, what, Elon, uh, and and started his playing career at James Madison before uh, transferring to North Carolina. So he's, uh, I'm not going to say he's a fish out of water. He can certainly succeed there. This is a job you have to take. Uh, sure, he could have waited one more year if he wanted. Greensboro would have been probably pretty good again next season. Whether it got to the tournament or not, well, that's how those conference tournaments they play out. They can be fickle. Uh, but he would have been up for more jobs again. I Strike when the iron is hot. It's hot. Cincinnati is a top 30 job in America, and he's got a chance there. Lay out for me, GP, just because I know you're super well-versed in this given um, your radio show and, and where you live. For Wes Miller... To take Cincinnati, which is not going to be the same as Lloyd for Arizona. That roster situation is brutal at the moment. That's going to be a real tough job year one. But broadly, big picture, we think in Cincinnati the second best job in that conference. And as it pertains to everyone else, every other program in the AAC, how are we thinking he's inheriting that situation, how he can navigate that league for the next three or four years? What's your thoughts? Are you conceding that Memphis is the best job in the league? I think I would concede Memphis has to be the best job in the league. I think that's right. And then I do think it's Cincinnati. But this is a total rebuilding job. And it's not only important for Cincinnati, it's important for the American Athletic Conference. Like, I was raised on the Metro, but now I live in an AAC town. Yes. And, and that league needs that program to be great. I can remember talking about the AAC a few years ago. Man, think about how much has changed. And they were like, people would ask, so what does the AAC have to do to get back, you know, to, to become like in the conversation with real power fives and with the Big East? Because right now people still like to cut that line off at power six as opposed to power seven. And I said, this is pretty simple. Um, Greg Marshall's got Wichita State rocking and rolling. So just keep it there. Kelvin's got Houston rocking and rolling. Keep it there. Memphis has got to, you know, get Penny, you know, Penny Hardaway. I think it just enrolled in a one recruiting class in America. So like that looks like it's going to go well and it is going well, even if it's not going as well as, as most anticipated it would, or some, I anticipated it would, it's still going way better than the Tubby Smith years. Um, so like you, you get, keep Greg, keep Wichita where it's at. Kelvin, keep Houston where it's at. Penny, get Memphis where Memphis should be. Mick, keep Cincinnati. Mick Cronin, keep Cincinnati where it's at. And then, you know, Dan Hurley's at UConn. There's no doubt he's going to get that thing going. And once you get those programs operating all at the same time, oh, boy, you got a really nice basketball league. Fast forward to today, UConn's in the Big East. Greg Marshall fired, forced to resign. Um, Cincinnati's a mess right now. Um Temple, another strong, historically strong program. It's just down right now. That, that, that league needs it, – it lucked into having Kelvin Sampson build an absolute monster at Houston. Mm -hmm. Not lucked in, but, like, the, you know, that's not something we would have anticipated 
you know, 10 years ago. So Houston's fine now. And they've, they've got all the money in the world to pay to keep him. So like, we're good there. Memphis, I still think is in a good place. You know, like would be a preseason top 35 team right now, based on what they're bringing back and what they're enrolling. You got to get Cincinnati good. And now that that responsibility falls on, on West Miller and same thing I would say about assistant coaches. I would say about mid-major coaches. There's just no guarantee that it's, that it's going to work. I, you know, some do, some don't, and there's really not always a, 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 an obvious reason why. Just sometimes a guy gets breaks through and it just works, and then sometimes it just doesn't. And I've been surprised both directions. There have been mid-major coaches who get power conference jobs, and I go, I don't know about this, and the, he does well, really well. And then there's mid-major coaches that get power conference jobs, and I go, oh, boy, this is going to be a good one. And it just doesn't work for whatever reason. So as always, we'll see. But how about the Southern Conference? Just, just trampolining coaches into the power conferences. How about this? You go back to the 2018-19 season in the Southern. Wofford wins it, 18-0 in the league, 30-5 and overall. I know you remember that team fondly. Mike Young goes to Virginia Tech, doing well there. UNC Greensboro finished second, 29-7, 15-3 overall. Now Wes Miller is the head coach at Cincinnati. And East Tennessee State finished tied for third, 24-10 and 10 overall, 13-5 and five in the league. And now Steve Forbes is the head coach at Wake Forest. Southern Conference, that's where you go to find your power conference coach these days. And Bob Ritchie's probably next at Furman. Uh, if they're good again next season, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he's the next one to uh, trampoline to, uh, to a bigger league. Here's my, here's my take on, on the AAC real quick. I think there are five schools that both historically – and in a contemporary sense, they just have national appeal when they're good that transcends their own league. Those are Houston, Memphis, Cincinnati, Temple, and then Wichita State, which by nature of how good it was get, moving up a league under Marshall. And then in the 80s, it had a you know, shout to Xavier McDaniel. Like it did have a little bit of a, of a moment there um, a little more than three decades ago. Those five. The American Athletic Conference needs. Four of those five, ideally all five, but really four of those five to be in contention to make the NCAA tournament to give the league its best chance, not just at relevance, but at true contention, at, at sitting at the table with the Big East, the Pac-12, not to mention the likes of the Big Ten and, and, and the Big 12 and all that stuff. Wichita State made the tournament this past season. Houston did what it did. We talked about that. Memphis wins the NIT. Now Cincinnati it gets a coach who would seemingly be capable of getting it back into that conversation. Remember, it made the tournament nine straight years under Mick Cronin. We're not surprised by that. We're just sharing the facts for everyone that doesn't want to acknowledge he's the greatest coach in UCLA history and Cincinnati history. Not easy to pull off. Temple, we wait and see. Aaron McKee, John Chaney, um, uh, John Chaney, former player, now that's running that program. I would love, love, love to see Temple get back to national relevance there. But you get four of the five, and you got a chance as a league. I think Wes Miller has a good entry point here from a league standpoint. From a roster standpoint, this is going to be an, a grind and a half. It's one of those things where, um, listen, you get a better job, a bigger paycheck. It's a really great career accomplishment. Uh, you check in with Wes Miller and that staff in the middle of July, and it's just not going to be a fun job. Like All, th- all other things pu- pushed aside, it's going to be a grind for the next year minimally. And I do think that Wes Miller is actually built to, to embrace that kind of grind. And he's got a really good chance at, at succeeding there. If you're Cincinnati have, and you're a Cincinnati fan, be thrilled that you got this done quickly, by the way, like compared to Arizona, whoo. Now the only, the AD ran the search. There was no search firm. No one else got involved. 
It was, he ran it, he got his interviews done, they moved with the swiftness, they wanted to get this done as soon as possible, and I was told on Tuesday that they wanted to get this done by Wednesday night, and sure enough, they did. You get Wes Miller, he is top three, top five mid-major rising coach in the country as far as the uh, the industry is concerned, and that is a good get. We can't promise you we're going to look up in four years and Wes Miller's going to have taken you to three NCAA tournaments uh, out of four years. Can't promise that, but... He's young and he's still super hungry. And um, if you if if you can win big with him, you'll have done a, a wonderful job. And there won't be too many jobs likely that uh, that'll pluck him away. I'm not going to say there aren't any. Clearly, like if Hubert Davis is just okay five years from now, and West Miller has it going at Cincinnati. You better believe that the West Miller to Carolina noise will resurface once again. In fact, if not solidify it, this will be the job that, in effect, I mean, if we're talking real, real here, like. Wes Miller takes this job for many reasons. One of them is if he's good at it, he makes sure that he is the number one candidate for North Carolina if it should open again in the next 10 to 15 years while he's still in the prime of his career. That's exactly right. Because if he's good at this job, then he's been good at two jobs and he's been good at the high major level. And when North Carolina is looking for its next coach, if that's any time in the next, and listen, he's 38 years old. We, we don't have to talk about if North Carolina is looking for a new coach in five years. If North Carolina is looking for a new coach in 15 years, like can Wes Miller be in a position to be that guy? And I know Cincinnati fans don't want to hear us talk about your new coach. We're not, I'm back. not trying. I'm just laying. I'm just, I'm just going laying. back to Chapel Hill someday. But like, you know, if he's good, if he's, this is going to go one of two ways. You ready? He will either not be good and you'll fire him someday, or he will be good. And he'll be a candidate for North Carolina someday. That's just the way this is going to go. So it is what it is. But I, I would say, like, you're right. He is inheriting a mess. I mean, a mess, 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 mess. Mm-hmm. And it's it's going to be a pain to get this thing rebuilt. I will say, you'd much rather inherit a mess at a place like Cincinnati in a league like the AAC than inherit a mess at a bad job in a better league. Like, I don't want to describe Boston College as a mess. I don't even know if it is. I just know it's like a bottom ACC job. And that's hard. You know, mm-hmm. when you are in that in that league, it's hard to win at Boston College. Even when you get it where you want it, it's hard to win at Boston College. Uh, that that's the real grind because you don't know if you'll ever get it where where you need it to be. It's it's difficult. Um, you know, Penn State, the Big Ten. That's that's another one. Like that's you you're building from the bottom, and boy, you got some real monsters in front of you. In the AAC, you know, that's a top two job. Yes, that's so like. Yeah, you're starting behind a lot of people. Like, Cincinnati's roster next season will be worse than a lot of people's in the AACs. But probably not as many as you think because there's some really bad stuff in the AAC and the climb is just much easier. You, you can, just like Dan Hurley had to rebuild UConn, that's a pain, but it's UConn. You'll get that done. Cincinnati building in the AAC, you ought to be able to get that done. Does it happen overnight? Probably not. But given the transfer portal, and the waiver being approved later this week for the one-time transfer rule, it does make rebuilding at a place like Cincinnati a lot easier than it otherwise would be. Under, you know, in different times, you might have to take a couple of transfers, sit them out a year, and then use them. But now you could you could take transfers and they're playing for your next season. It's just, it's, it, it, this transfer portal is, in, in the waiver, it, it is complicated. A lot of stuff I'm in favor of it, but I do acknowledge it is comp it's made coaches jobs tougher, but 
I think it's made a coach like Wes Miller under these circumstances. I think it's made his job easier. Why? He doesn't have much to lose right now, but boy, there's a big place for him to go shopping. Um, he's, he's, there's a lot to be gained. And it just, it, when you take over something like this, it's, I'm certain you'd rather have the transfer portal looking the way it is as opposed to something less. That's a good point. Uh, with Miller taking the job and Lloyd taking the Arizona job, this now means, barring anything truly unexpected, while there are still about seven or eight jobs that need to fill, they are of the mid to low major variety. Every job of note has closed. Hallelujah! Here, I'm going to run them down real quick. Here we go. Get the me job. a tea time for tomorrow morning. Here <laughs> you me go. You can hit the link. Tea time. Okay, you can. I can't wait. <laughs> okay. We've got Hubert Davis. At, actually, real quick, real quick off the top as we wrap this up. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot, but I'll also answer this question. Here are the coaches in the major conferences, if you will, the seven big ones. Hubert Davis to Carolina, Chris Beard to Texas, Mike Woodson to Indiana, Tommy Lloyd to Arizona, Shaka Smart to Marquette, Craig Smith to Utah, Porter Mosier to Oklahoma, TJ Otzelberger to Iowa State, Ben Johnson to Minnesota, Wes Miller to Cincinnati, Mark Adams to Texas Tech, Isaac Brown was promoted from within and made the permanent head coach at Wichita State, Earl Grant to Boston College, Micah Shrewsbury to Penn State, and then Tony Stubblefield to DePaul. Those are all the jobs in the uh, seven major conferences, in addition to the likes of like you know Richard Pino getting to Mexico and Kevin Kruger getting to UNLV and getting promoted from within there. So, But in the major seven ones, I'm removing Chris Beard to Texas because I feel like that's the obvious one, so you don't get to pick that one. Which one do you feel has the best chance of being the most long-lasting marriage of all of them? And I'll go first since I asked the question. Of all of these, I think the best chance at being a long-lasting marriage is Craig Smith to Utah. Um, I think that he killed it at Utah State, and he is a wonderful fit for that program. He's not the shiniest hire. He's not the biggest name hire. Nothing is guaranteed I feel like we could easily look up in 10 years and say, wow, Utah's been to seven of the past 10 NCAA tournaments. Craig Smith is still there. He's still got it rolling. He's done a wonderful job, and uh, Utah really killed it there. I think he's got the resources. He is my pick. You're welcome to double my pick. But of all of them, which one do you think has the best chance at the most long-lasting marriage? Well, you're right. The only proper answer to this at this moment would be Chris Beard at Texas. Like it might not work out that way, but that's the only since it's just like, think of it as preseason rankings. Sometimes there's a clear cut number one team like that, that, Oh, how about this player of the year heading into the last season? It had to be Luca Garza. Yeah. Didn't guarantee that Luca was going to be the actual player of the year, but there was no sensible argument for anybody other than Luca Garza. Right now there would be no sensible argument to the uh, sensible answer to the question you asked other than Chris Beard at Texas. Uh, Craig, I think is a good answer. I'll go Shaka Smart at Marquette. Okay. I here's the thing. I know it didn't go as well at Texas as any of us thought it would, and probably as as well as Shaka thought it would. It also didn't go terribly. Like he didn't bomb at Texas. He bombed against Abilene Christian. He didn't bomb at Texas, and I don't think he's going to bomb at Marquette. And what we might find out is winning at a level Marquette fans appreciate in the big east is simpler not simple as wojo not simple but simpler than winning at a level 
Texas fans expect in the Big 12. It is much more difficult to keep your head above water in the Big 12 than it is the, the Big East. And I say that with all due respect to the Big East. It's a very, very good league. It's not the Big, Big 12 in terms of depth, quality. Like there's some, you know, Villanova's in there. That's tough. But there's nobody else in that league that you can't or shouldn't even be better than. Maybe UConn. Yeah. But like, you know, you're not fighting, you know, Chris Beard at Texas Tech, Bill Self at Kansas. Scott Drew at uh, Baylor. Scott Drew at Baylor. I mean, it's a lot. Like like when we talked on a recent podcast, somebody's got to finish 8th, ninth, and 10th in the Big 12. And nobody thinks they should. Nobody thinks they should. But somebody's got to every year. Um, in the Big East, Marquette's just a better program than most of those programs. I don't know where it ranks in the league. We can sit down and do that. But I think you, you, you give Shaka a, a good job, very good job, in a bit of a lesser league, and he's going to be able to do well there. I think he's going to do well there. Uh, I like that, and I think there's a, a really good chance. Let's let's get on out of here. You go ahead and you you book that tea time, okay? By the ooh, by the way, as we as we get, I do have to tell you that pizza you you ordered for me. How was it? It's legit. It's good. It's good. I think it was called Labriola. Labriola um, was uh, was I think what you got me for real. There was a we have a listener who's a Twitter follower who hunted us down back when this happened and said I would not steer you wrong. Give this a go, and it's filling. I, I we couldn't finish it in one sitting. Like it was like wrap it up, put it in the fridge, warm it up for the next day. So thanks to you, we are enjoying it. But I will savor the the next one for uh, for later this spring or whatever. So when we were in Indianapolis, the Final Four, there was a Giordano's right next to our hotel and I got a pickup order for them one day and I just got like the little six inch personal. I couldn't even know all that. Yeah. It's amazing with, with deep dish Chicago style pizza. You can only eat one piece. It's, that's, that's the deal. This blows Giordano's out of the water. Oh, even yeah, it's, it's not, it's not a contest. Oh, so, I, 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 it's apologies. If we have any Giordano's employees listening, it's the truth. So, uh, appreciate it. We fi- I finally got to enjoy it. I actually neglected to mention to you on the earlier pod this week, but uh, that's appreciated. You go, you go get that tea time taken care of and get those, hit those links tomorrow without a stress or worry in the world. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry M.F. and Teagle. Legend. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys once again. Listening to the Island College Basketball Podcast. Middle of the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. You've seen these variants? What are we going to do about these variants? I saw a chart that said the most and least vaccinated populations by state. You've been going on. We got, we got, no, we got, we got it taken care of in Mississippi. Connecticut ranks third. Mississippi is second to last or something like that. You know why? Because we got a bunch of deniers down here. Do you know why it was so, you know, you want to, here's the honest to God truth. Here's how I got fully vaccinated so quickly. Nobody else wanted to do it. Nobody else cares. It's a different world down here. Did you see the Ole Miss baseball game over the weekend? I did not. Do a Twitter no, search for Ole Miss baseball over the weekend. It looked like it was 1988. I mean, jam-packed baseball stadium. And I'm past the point of even arguing with people. I don't even care. Like, nobody cares. Nobody's going to listen to me anymore. All right? Like, we got UFC coming up in July with Conor McGregor. They're going to fill it up. They're doing capacity arena. Like I nobody but go if you want to know where I live, go search for Ole Miss baseball. 
you watch these highlights. My my dental hygienist son hit like the game winning home run for Ole Miss. Okay, of course he did. <laughs> Go find that highlight. It looks like it's from a different time. It does not look like it's from this weekend. It looks like it's from three years ago. I mean, people everywhere. It, it actually looks weird how normal it looks, if that makes sense. So, I do it. I'm fully vaccinated. And partly the reason I was able to get that done so quickly is because there's not a, there's not a supply, supply outnumbers demand down here in the Magnolia State. I've never seen one like this. I didn't see it coming. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. We'd appreciate it. We'll talk to you again really soon. <laughs>